Hello everybody, welcome to FEAR with Jonah Zimmons, your weekly fear combatant inspired by conservative Christian views. This is Face Everything and Rise. Hey guys, it's Jonah Zimmons here. Welcome to this week's episode of Face Everything and Rise. Today's topic is going to be the coronavirus. Now, I've honestly kind of struggled when thinking about how I want to organize the podcast revolving around the coronavirus, simply because there's so much to say about it. If we look in the news for the past six weeks, everything we have seen relates back to the coronavirus in some way or another. Just to put this into perspective for you guys, this is my second recording of this podcast, simply because the first one I felt was so long and it wasn't concise enough. And so I just want to make sure that I'm valuing your guys' time when you're listening to the show. And I just wanted to have things a little more organized. So here's the second recording. We're going to give it a shot as we talk about the coronavirus and what's happening here. I'm going to start by saying, and excuse my language when I tell this story, but I was talking to a kid the other day and he exclaimed that the coronavirus was retarded. And this really bothered me because it's not. It's a very real situation that is killing people. And I think that's something that's very important. And so just because it is so real, I wanted to open up the podcast by looking at the statistics. In the United States, as of April 29th, 2020, there have been 1.5 million cases with 150,000 people recovered and 66,605 deaths. Just to put this into perspective, because I don't know about you guys, but coming from the small community here in Cheyenne, Wyoming, I just wanted to put this into perspective that 66,605 people is the population of Cheyenne. So just as many people as there are in Cheyenne, Wyoming have already died due to the coronavirus. But because I was kind of having this uh, gap here in looking at United States statistics, I also wanted to include Wyoming statistics. There have been 559 cases, 373 recovered, and 7 dead, which are pretty good numbers when we look at across the nation, but we also have the smallest population of the entire nation. With that being said, the reason I'm having this podcast, as I discussed last week, is because I am out of school. So I did a little bit of research just to provide the statistics on that as well. Currently, there are 37 states at a minimum that have out-of-school orders with students that are moving to remote online learning methods. And New York, the state of New York, is already considering actions that should be taken next fall. So I think that really shows how serious the coronavirus is when we are just at the beginning of May and they're already looking to August, something that's four months away, shows the seriousness of the situation. With that seriousness, I just wanted to talk about my previous understanding of the coronavirus. When it first occurred, I kind of thought people were over-exaggerating, and to a degree, I still think that some of the results of the coronavirus and different things that have circulated are over-exaggerating, but I wanted to compare my initial perspectives. Everyone, when the coronavirus first started, was comparing this to the flu. So I looked it up, and the CDC reports 61,000 deaths for the latest flu season. So the coronavirus is a little worse because we already have about 5,000 more deaths due to the COVID-19 than the flu for the past season. And the other thing we must keep in mind is we're only now beginning to flatten the curve. It hasn't totally flattened out and we definitely have not ended the spread of the coronavirus. So it's probably going to escalate quite a bit worse than the flu. But the point I'm trying to make is that there was no complete government shutdown for the flu. And this is also seen when we look at H1N1. 
The CDC says it's really difficult to estimate the deaths, and they estimate anywhere between 120,000 deaths due to the 2009 outbreak of the swine flu to 575,000 deaths, which is eventually where the coronavirus could lead us. But hopefully we never get that high. The point I'm still trying to make with this is that even for H1N1, there was a no complete shutdown. I was talking to a former ag advisor who's now a principal at my school, and he discusses in 2009 he was going to the National FFA Convention, and he did have a student who contracted H1N1, but all he did was stay, bed, stay in bed at home for a couple days, and, they, and he met the group out there a couple days later, and they were still able to compete and have a fun time. And I just think this is so important when we look across the United States at all of the state conventions that have been canceled. Here in Wyoming, our own state convention has been canceled, and I was devastated beyond belief. Because H1N1, which was so much worse than the coronavirus, didn't even shut down the National FFA Convention, which is the largest gathering of youth in the entire world. So we see all of these youth from all around the United States come to one area during the middle of the H1N1 outbreak, and they still held and trudged through it. And we're at the coronavirus where we're not even close to the extent we saw with H1N1, and they've already begun to cancel national conventions, not for FFA, but for other organizations, and definitely FFA state conventions. I know speech and debate has moved to a completely online format for their national tournament this upcoming summer, and they don't have near the numbers that the FFA organization does. But the coronavirus doesn't have near the numbers that H1N1 did either. With that being said, I wanted to look down and look at the shutdown that has occurred because of the coronavirus. And I specifically want to hone in on Michigan and New York and the fact that they are taking away rights. Now, there's something I learned a lot about in speech and debate that interested me a lot for whatever reason, and that's the concept of a social contract. And there are two different forms. The first, more optimistic view is John Locke and says that a person is giving up individual rights for the government to protect the right to life, liberty, and property. Those are the ultimate rights. Uh, when we look at the other form, Hobbes, he says that a person is giving up their individual rights in the name of national security, a more pessimistic view of the social contract. But either way, we see that the government has an obligation to its citizens and the citizens are giving up some rights in order for that to happen. So I understand initially why governments were reacting by limiting rights of the people in order to slow the spread of the coronavirus. However, I think that when states like New York are completely dismantling the First Amendment, that we are beginning to see that big government is limiting the rights of the people. Arguably, the First Amendment is the most important, seeing it as is the first right listed in our Constitution. We have the right to speech, religion, assembly, and press, and we are seeing all of these limited on due to the coronavirus. We see specifically when I think of religion and assembly, we look in Kentucky where on Easter Sunday, people were fined and even a couple arrested simply because they wanted to attend a church. A person should never be arrested for utilizing their First Amendment right of assembly and religion. I understand that there were a lot of churches who went to online services and that that could have been an option, but people have the right to use their religion in any way they would like as long as it doesn't infringe on other people. If people wanted to go out and meet at their church, they understand the risk. They understand the potential consequences. There's no need to arrest them for their actions because they're or utilizing their First Amendment right. The same thing is said with assembly, where we look in New York City, where these people were trying to gather for the funeral of their rabbi. Again, something they understand the consequences. They all were wearing masks. Most of them were practicing social distancing standards of staying six feet apart. 
And the New York Police Department went in there arresting people just because they wanted to mourn their rabbi. This is taking away the First Amendment right more than any other historical matter we have ever seen in history since slavery. And it's very important that we realize that big government is limiting all of these things. Another important thing, the right to assembly and the right to petition is included in our First Amendment. We have never seen conservatives on the streets before because they are always working. They have no time to go against and petition our government because they're working. In contrast with the Democratic Party that seems to always find the time to petition against their government and sit on their couches and cure unemployment. What we are seeing now is in states like Michigan where she is sending out her police department to arrest people that are petitioning the government, again, for simply exercising their First Amendment right. I understand if the rights of the American people were limited slightly to accommodate and end the spread of the coronavirus, but where they are taking away every First Amendment right that is listed in our Constitution, that is extremism from the socialism leftist party that is wanting these terrible things to happen to the American people. Now, I wanted to touch just a little bit on speech and press. I talked last week about how much I enjoy listening to the Sean Hannity show every day, and I'm very proud of him because just recently he entered a lawsuit against the New York Times for spreading uh, libel and slander against him, which he is now executing his right to speech and press and being, being ridiculed for his own constitutional rights. The New York Times put out an article saying that a coronavirus death happened on the hands of Hannity which of course he would never kill a person, especially when the article itself says it was the coronavirus, but it's just so contradictory and it makes Sean Hannity look like such a terrible person simply because he's advocating for the same proponents that I am advocating for in the podcast thus far. And I just wanted to put that out there for the media is just hitting on the Republican Party. The media, the mob is just founded from the Democratic side and they have no no likelihood to actually look at the American people and the wishes of what the United States constituents actually want. And this brings me back to some of the political debates that I've had within my debate career. And while it's ended now, the last debate I ever had was the judge of the debate was Wyoming Governor Mark Gordon. And I was debating a kid from South Dakota. And he was so proud to walk into the room and say, Mark Gordon, it's, it's so wonderful that you're out here judging these debate rounds. It helps students so much. And I couldn't agree with my opponent more. But he started going on talking about the governor of South Dakota, Miss Christy Nome, as if they were on a first name basis. And eventually it didn't play any good that he felt he was so confident about knowing his governor because I ended up winning the debate round. But what I walked away with is almost a connection with South Dakota stronger than ever before. I already knew Harvard University student Bridger Gordon, who's a good friend of mine through FFA and the speech and debate programs as well. 2018, second in the nation for extemp speaking. So I just, I respect the guy a lot. But what's happening here is I almost feel being a citizen of Wyoming, I'm very close to South Dakota, and I couldn't be more proud of the actions taken by Governor Christie No. And the fact that they still have a solid economy and low coronavirus numbers because she left her state open. States like Michigan, Florida, California, New York, where they're shutting down completely. States like Wyoming, where the majority of things are shut down. We are seeing differences in our economy. Wyoming's going to be okay economically because we have the largest reserves of any state within the United States. But South Dakota didn't necessarily have those reserves. But there was no need to because they now have some of the lowest coronavirus numbers because they let things continue on at the same pace that they always did. 
The same thing can be said internationally when we look at Sweden. And I have to say that I'm just proud of what that government did by leaving things open. They were able to look at the coronavirus and decide that this needs to be taken care of on an individual basis, which I couldn't agree with more. Medically, doctors should be looking at the coronavirus on an individual basis. If people are more likely to get the coronavirus than other people, then they need to be staying home. But there was no reason to shut entire states down because of the coronavirus. If you're one of those people that are age 65 or older or have a compromised immune system, stay home, definitely for your health and the benefit of others. But if you're someone like myself who would be enjoying going to school right now, there's no reason that we should be taking work and education away from the citizens of the United States simply because of the coronavirus. This needs to be looked at at an individual basis, not even at the state or local level, but seriously by looking at the individual. We should have let people keep working so that they could pay their bills and they could keep our economy strong. The same thing is going to be said for the pharmaceutical industry. The use of hydroxychloroquine, for whatever reason, has become such a politicized product, and I simply don't understand it. If it works for some coronavirus patients and doesn't for others, let those doctor-patient relationships dictate that. If there's a patient who wants to try it or a doctor who wants to let their patient utilize it, then let them. There's no reason that at the national level they should be limiting the use of hydroxychloroquine or other drugs. I've recently read in the news that they're looking at another drug that seems to be a little more promising than hydroxychloroquine, and I don't remember the name, but either way, let's look at it at an individual matter and let these people utilize it. The only benefit we're seeing is some of the actions that President Donald Trump took in the very beginning of the coronavirus pandemic when he opened up the private pharmaceutical industry to allow them to produce drugs in response to COVID-19. That's the only stronghold our economy has is the private pharmaceutical companies. And I think that was a great move by President Donald Trump. Other excellent moves that he executed, the travel ban to China. People claimed that this was xenophobic and racist and that he was, uh, again, the media and mob was slandering him for being against the Chinese people and being such a bigot. But the fact of the matter is that's not true. He simply was looking out for the American people. And we've seen many other nations that are now not letting immigrants in due to the spread of the coronavirus. Donald Trump was ahead of the game when it came to combating the coronavirus, but the mob in the media was just slandering him for all that he was trying to do there. The mob in the media has also slandered him to the point where he is having to take actions that he wouldn't necessarily want to take. In my personal opinion, Donald Trump would not have pa encouraged Congress to pass the stimulus check. The stimulus check is promising $1,200 to every American over the age of 24 that filed their taxes last year. The problem is, is that the left media and the left socialist party in and of themselves are just trying to spread communism into the United States. We see the socialist party, that's always their propaganda, so they want to spread communism. Well, what a great way to take advantage of a global pandemic than to spread communism and force the government to give money to each individual citizen. The problem for the left is they don't think things through and it's going to backfire on them because next year when we arrive at April 15th, the government is going to want their $1,200 back, which actually puts citizens in a worse spot. Right now, people may not have the money, but if we would have left the economy open, 
then they would have had the opportunity to work for their money. Those that didn't have it, we could have helped them out, not by giving them money, but by simply changing their payment plans. So they maybe had to pay more over the next couple of months or their house notes if they attached the next six months worth of payments onto the end. There were other ways that we could have helped people out other than giving them money. That's going to put people in a worse spot when we look a year from now and we ask for that money back because these people now owe the federal government money and they're not going to be able to come up with it because as of right now, it's promised as a grant, not a loan. But the fact of the matter is when the government gives money, they're always going to want it back. The media forced President Donald Trump and the Senate and the House of Representatives to take this action. Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, they are not helping any when they are in our Congress spreading the, the democratic, socialist, communist propaganda to the American people because they are trying to make President Donald Trump look bad, which they are not succeeding at. The media has forced him to take action. He wants to rebuild the economy, but the, but the media forced him to close down. But he now has an opportunity that no other president in the history of the United States has to rebuild the economy a second time for problems that were not of his own. President Obama in 2009-2010, we had the global recession, but it was due to the policies taken out by his own administration. He harmed the economy due to his policies. President Donald Trump did not purposefully harm the economy. It was things that happened outside of his control that are harming the United States economy. Fortunately for him, he has the opportunity to rebuild it for a second time, ensuring a second re-election. There are some other scary things that'll be podcasts for another time. Things such as Joe Biden being the Democratic candidate for the presidential election coming up this November. Things of that nature um, and that the media have just coerced on President Donald Trump trying to make him look bad. There's a lot of scary things happening. The case of Michael Flynn, people aren't realizing this because when we look at the media for the past six weeks, even more, the only coverage we see is over the coronavirus. There are people all around us losing their rights and the media is standing there justifying it, saying it's okay in the name of the coronavirus, but the media is simply trying to take things away from President Donald Trump. But he's going to take this opportunity, rebuild the economy for a second time, and get reelected for a second term so that he can actually look out for the American people. Which now, we listed all of these fears. We talked about some other ones that will be in future podcasts. The coronavirus is scary. We looked at the statistics. But the other day, I was listening to the radio. And just like this podcast, where we changed fear from fear everything and run to face everything and rise, there's a new acronym for COVID. And I want to remind you guys of this. Christ, our victor in distress. C-O-V-I-D, COVID. We are in distress due to the coronavirus. But fortunately for us, Christ is our victor in all of it. Psalm 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We right now are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We have never seen, except for some other global pandemics, but in current close times in the lifetime that I can remember as being part of the young generation, have never seen anything quite this serious played out in the American people. We have seen other global pandemics, but nothing that has shut down the global economy and shut down the oil industry to where they're negative $3 a barrel. We are walking currently through the valley of the shadow of death. Death is just around the corner, and that's exactly what the media wants to portray. But the next part in this verse is so serious. I will fear no evil. 
And this is so important that we remember this as we move forward, that we can fear no evil. The coronavirus, it is scary. The Democratic Party, the mob, the media, it's scary. But we cannot fear that evil. For thou art with me, thou being God, he is constantly with us. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. The Lord, our God, is constantly watching over us. He's guiding us and he's allowing us different opportunities to be of comfort. Now, I've already expressed that the reason I started this podcast is because I wanted to combine things that meant a lot to me. I love talking about politics. I love talking about the Bible and Christianity. And of course, I love being a leader and teaching how we can educate and advocate the public. And that's so that's why I did this podcast is it's my form of educating and advocating to face everything and rise because we have that opportunity before us all the time. We might be in evil times right now. We might be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but the Lord is with it with us at all times and he is constantly guiding you in a way that you can help change the world. This podcast is that form for me and think of some different opportunities that you can do to change the world. Now I wanted to delve into another Bible verse here. Being an FFA member, I know tons of different people around the state and I have a friend from Green River, Wyoming who sent me a Bible verse and she asked, do you think this pertains to the coronavirus? And I just could, I was overcome with the concepts that are in these couple of verses that I'm going to read over here. We'll discuss them really quick and have the similar discussion that I had with her. 2 Chronicles 7, 13 and 14. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my, pestilence, excuse me, among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. So this was brought up actually in a TikTok, which that'll be an episode for another time too. But we're seeing the Australia wildfires. There's no rain. The locusts that are happening in Africa, devouring the land, and the pestilence among the people, that being the coronavirus. Second Chronicles 7.13 is coming true right before our eyes. But what I really like about this section of verses is section 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear and forgive their sin and heal their land. And I think this is so important when we're looking at the coronavirus here. If we would all just turn to the Lord, humble ourselves, admit our sins, bring the Lord God into our hearts because he was willing to forgive our sins. If we were to pray and walk daily with the Lord Jesus Christ, if we were to seek him, read our Bibles and simply have a conversation with him, if we were to turn from our wicked ways, he's going to hear. He will forgive our sins and he will heal the land. So I don't want to sit back here and try to deny that the coronavirus is perhaps a punishment brought out by God. It may be a punishment. It may not. But the point I'm trying to make by looking at 2 Chronicles 7.14 is that we all have the opportunity to turn and look at Christ. We all have multiple opportunities set forward due to the coronavirus. So let's go over these one more time. As an FFA member, anytime I give a persuasive speech, you can see this in the speech I gave last year on the national final stage, I discussed the opportunity to educate and advocate. We all carry these mobile devices in our pockets. Let's use them to share what we care and are passionate about with the rest of the world. 
let's show people that there's no reason to fear the coronavirus. There's a lot of anxiety going around. But what's happening is that we have a federal administration who truly cares about the American people. They will consistently do what is best for the people of America, for the people of the United States, no matter what the media and the Democratic Party has to say. They're constantly going to be helping us. There's no reason to have any fear in that. But if you still have fear past a political level, let's look at our Bibles. We already read Psalm 23, 4. We're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but we should fear no evil. Share that Bible verse with other people. Talk about the opportunity to face everything and rise. And finally, 2 Chronicles 7, 13 and 14 predicts the coronavirus happening. It looks at our world in the year 2020, says it's going to happen. But if the people will turn to the Lord God above and express their love for him, then he will forgive their sin and he will heal their land. We all have a duty as FFA members, as Christians, as Republicans, as people of the United States, however you want to try to classify yourselves. We all have the opportunity to face everything and rise. We can do this by simply sharing the message of joy and love in these trying times. So I hope this podcast serves as a reminder this week that despite the fact that we're all stuck in quarantine due to the coronavirus, despite the fact that people are dying around us and people are contracting this disease, the American people have resilience. resiliency. We can make it through this. This is your opportunity to truly face everything and rise. The Bible tells us 365 times to fear not serving as a daily reminder to have no fear. The only thing we should fear is the Lord God above. Ecclesiastes 12:13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. Thank you for listening to FBAR with Jonah Simmons. This is Face Everything and Rise.